Hello, 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 coaches and leaders. I have Dr. I have Dr. No, just do it. (laughs) I have Dr. Kendra Coates on with me. She and I worked together um, in Mindset Works, the company that was co-founded by Dr. Carol Dweck. And she's doing incredible work within the central region of Oregon. She's the director of Mindset and Social Emotional Learning for that region, as well as she consults around the U.S. And she's a professor within the College of Ed of um, Oregon State University. Uh, We are going to have a really interesting conversation about what it concretely looks like to shift mindsets of adults within school districts. So first, I wanted to welcome you to the show. Okay, thanks for having me. And hey, you flubbed up, but you got pivoted around there. (laughs) Keep doing it. (laughs) Try it again. One thing I really appreciate about you is you really embody truly authentic growth mindset. And we're going to, I know this is going to be embedded uh, probably throughout our entire conversation, but you know, embracing mistakes and failure as like, this is actually how we grow, right? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so the, the thing I really want to hear about, and I want you to share, and I'm just so interested to, to, to have a conversation about is when you, you're the director of mindset and social emotional learning. That is so cool. First of all, I've never heard of that title. And I think that's like really forward thinking of a district um, that we bring mindsets outside of the bulletin boards (laughs) and uh, into real life. And we've created a director of it because we see the value of it. So um, I'd really love to know what what first of all, what are your main goals when you are when you start the school year? What are your main goals when you're working with the school leaders, coaches, and the teachers around mindset? That's a good question to start with. Um, and I've given a lot of thought to even our starting. So our school year starts, but it doesn't really start, it restarts mm-hmm. because we have a system, one of um the only systems that provide services for our humans that Mm -hmm. actually starts and stops every year, which creates for children and adults. So let's focus on the adults who um, design and develop and provide those services. That is a very unspoken um hard barrier that we have embedded within our structure. And what I mean by that is in the spring, so let's oh I'm gonna zoom out because you asked, well, what do you do at the beginning of a school year? So if I zoom out and look at the bigger picture of how it flows, in the spring we're doing three things at the same time, which take a lot of energy, a lot of resources. We are providing those services still. We are planning to shut down those services. And the third is we are also planning to start them back up again in the fall. 
Mm-hmm. And that usually really um, takes, you know, it to a whole new level after spring break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why we often know that, you know, January, February, if you have a creative idea, you better start talking about it and introducing it. Because once we start heading into spring break, our brains start getting refocused on this other thing. Mm-hmm. After spring break, we are doing the three things at the same time. And we're all wondering, why are we so exhausted? The structure's designed for that um, cycle. Mm-hmm. And when we settle into that, knowledge and understanding, you know, and use a um, exercise like zooming out, mm-hmm. we can really get ourselves um, looking at it and understanding it in a new way. So that when we say the start of the next year, mm-hmm. we are not starting. Learning isn't starting, right? Mm-hmm. Teaching isn't starting. Learning and teaching are, you know, 24 seven. Um, and so when I restart mm-hmm. a school year, I am reconnecting with the humans that are designing and developing and providing the services um, to children and families and paying close attention to their workplace culture. And I say workplace by design and with mm-hmm. intention because words matter. And in our profession, we use a lot of words that are left over and are rooted in the military, that are rooted in um, business, which is rooted in military, (laughs) left over from the industrial era of machines. So I said, I reconnect with the humans to grow relationships, to keep growing relationships. I'm not building relationships because building comes from the idea that a process, a natural process that is unique to a human being, like a relationship, we need to use language that actually matches that. Otherwise, our brain and mind is then approaching it and looking at it in a completely different way. If we're building relationships with our colleagues, if we're building relationships with students, if we're building relationships with families, building tells us that I can do something for that relationship and think of it as like building blocks, right? Legos, I love Legos. Mm -hmm. So I can add a Lego to that quote unquote relationship if I'm coming from the space of building, hmm. then that Lego stays there. It's an object that stays. I don't have to do much mm-hmm. for maintaining it, sustaining it, nurturing it, cultivating it. So just that shift from build, which is related to industrial machines, to grow, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see it differently. Like, oh, I'm growing a relationship. Have I watered? Have I done? What have I done? What have I put energy into in terms of growing that? 
Yeah. Versus I built it or I'm building, it changes how you then see it, approach it, understand it, et cetera. It's so true. And as something I really appreciate about you is how important language is to you. And language is very important for mindset. It's not, it's very, very, very important. Yes. And I, you know, as you were talking about that, we've talked about this previously too, building versus growing relationships, right? Also mindsets, building versus growing mindsets, the way we think. Uh, I think for some reason I had this image of an excavator, <laughs> the thing yeah. that scoops, the, the, or, you know, and just like building, I don't know. I was also seeing brick laying. <laughs> it was like, put the, the layer of the mortar and then I put the bricks, right? I'm building this. Yeah. Doing, there's a doing energy. I'm doing this to you, to us versus mm-hmm. growing is like nurturing. Like I, I there's keep, I don't just do it once and it's done. Oh, here's my wall. I built it. There's, there's a ongoing nurturing of, of, of the growth, right. Of growing a plant and the soil and the soil. And you and I have talked quite a bit about having nutrient rich soil, right. Mm-hmm. That we, we can't grow anything. You can't, no matter how much water and sunlight you give a seed, if it doesn't have soil, that's actually nutrient rich. And you and I were talking about the context of school or school culture or, you know, whatever we want to call that, what surrounds this growth, the environment. Um, if it's not full of nutrients for growth, it's still not going to grow. Correct. And one of the, um, I think that's my current thinking, and I use that um, phrase a lot because of neuroplasticity. My brain's always changing, so therefore my thinking is evolving constantly. So that's my current thinking. Um, so my current thinking, um, based on you know years being in education, um, twenty five years, and I've taught early childhood, um, K twelve, higher ed. Um, I've taught abroad special education, reading a lot of different um, elements. And at a certain point, um, it was clear to me, and, and this isn't, it wasn't like an event like, oh, I got it now. But there, obviously, my neuroplasticity was was doing its thing out of sight because we can't see what is happening. And that gets us hung up too. Because we don't remember that our brain is doing this thing called neuroplasticity at all times. Speaking of energy, a lot of energy in there going. And as I was introducing growth mindset to others, I would introduce the foundation of it, which is neuroplasticity. And I'm going to talk slower here because this is important because this has got missed many times. A lot of the myths and misconceptions. And lately, I just heard yesterday that growth mindset has been debunked. So that's a, a new term in terms of debunked. Um, I hear that and I instantly think, huh. Well, that person, I guess, is working out with their brain, the brain's neuroplasticity. So kind of a meta experience for that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. When someone says, well, growth mindset's deep, been debunked. And I'm thinking, 
So your brain's still understanding or not understanding yet how your brain is works as in neuroplasticity and growth mindset is the belief and understanding of neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and then applying that to intelligence mm-hmm. and applying that to skills and abilities and talent. Meaning because our brain is neuroplastic or lately the neuroscientist out of Stanford, his book live wired, he's like, you know what? We need a new term because neuroplastic implies that it's a mold and you mold it once. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we're moving on even from neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Becca, for us in education, we haven't gotten neuroplasticity. No. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, shoot. They're already moving on. (laughs) Scientists, they've already like, oh, yeah, this was, you know, used by, you know, William James way back in cycle, you know, like whomever. And now we really need to speak to, you know, live wiring all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, Mm-hmm. And I really actually I really like that phrase a lot more than neuroplasticity. I I would love um just just before we continue this conversation for anyone that forgot uh or isn't sure what neuroplasticity is, could you quickly define it? Just we so we're all clear what this thing is. And we have to revisit it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's how learning works. It's not a one and done. Like you've got to constantly be like do I understand it? So neuroplasticity is our brain's process of constantly changing, redesigning, reorganizing, adapting at all times, all the time. If you take a look at, you know, videos of what is happening inside your brain right now, as you're listening to this podcast, you would see a miraculous i mean but it's not miraculous because it's natural it's um the brain has been changing and evolving and this ongoing process for a long long time we just didn't have the technology yet to see inside the brain in real time to see it and neuroplasticity if we are not fully understanding what that is and what that means and the implications for, we'll keep the context education for learning and teaching and unlearning and relearning, then we have completely missed understanding growth mindset, Mm -hmm. like completely missed it. Mm -hmm. And that happens over and over and over again. And, you know, I have some ideas around why that is for sure. And I often have conversations with my brain and I say stuff like, okay, brain, look, I and others are trying to promote you and your natural way of being and you and your need for novelty and new, which our brain, one of the ways we grow our brain is we learn new things. We like new is getting in the way of me promoting you. It's getting in the way of your own public awareness campaign. <laughs> and you're frustrating me <laughs> because we turned, which we do this often, our brain, you know, has some um, biases, cognitive biases 
mistakes so far about 188 have been named and identified of cognitive really oh that's so interesting 188 yeah google that one there's a great Mm. program of it Hmm. and they're defined and they just keep getting identified right Mm -hmm. so when someone says i don't have bias that means they're saying i don't have a brain (laughs) like it doesn't you know so as we're debating (laughs) i don't have bias you know it'd be better just to say i'm a human being i have a brain I am definitely operating from bias. Yeah. yeah right. And it, it, yeah. And it it's uh, right. I'm not aware when it's showing up. It, you know, it's just far beyond uh, the, the conversation around race too. This is like, like a, a, a bias for novelty, right? Like my brain needs new things. And that's a, that's a bias. It, it forms bias on what we pay attention to. So, yeah. That's 188. That's fascinating. And that impacts the way we think. It does. Yeah. And so if we spend time, Becca, you know, let's say in a a meeting around a particular learner in our school, right? A team gets together. And if someone does bring up bias, like um, a lot of times we end up spending time debating whether or not we are operating from a bias versus if we could accept and understand, oh, that's right. My brain has to do that in order to work because there's right now, you know, the estimate is 11 million bits of information are coming in 11 million per second, per second. So hold 11 million in your mind right now, everybody, like hold 11 million bits per second. Again, 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 the brain then can only in that second consciously process 40 to 50 mm. bits. So from 11 million to 40, 50, and this is just per second, mm-hmm. that gap is where our cognitive mistakes are mm-hmm. because our brain loves to predict that's what it's designed to do predict predict the next thing Mm -hmm. and so when we in that space when we're talking about a learner we accept that yep i'm definitely operating from my biases for sure so that means i know i'm missing something Mm -hmm. yeah just Acknowledging and accepting and saying that out loud, even saying it just out loud as a regular practice at the beginning of a meeting. Hey, everybody, <laughs> all of our biases are happening. We're operating <laughs> right all the time. Yeah. So let's accept that here collaboratively, collectively accept it. And then we can use each other's brains to share, Kendra, what might we be missing that maybe you notice? Becca, mm-hmm. I think I might be missing something. Not mm-hmm. I think I might. I know I'm missing something. Yeah. I know I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't know yet is a, a great statement because it's, mm-hmm. it encompasses so many um, truths about how the brain mind 
and body, you know, it's an integrated whole, the brain, mind, and body mm-hmm. um, are existing and being. Mm-hmm. And so the acceptance part um, is huge. And you get better at that. You grow your neural pathway, you strengthen your neural pathways by saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. And I say that a lot. Or I say the statement, you know, here's my current thinking, my current feeling, Mm -hmm. but I don't know, you know, my brain is constantly changing. So I'm learning new things, you know, constantly on learning, relearning. But this is what my current thoughts are related to this topic, the area of our focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, that's back to language, right? Mm -hmm. And once we say words out loud, they become easier to say out loud. And then you start internalizing and then you're running a neural pathway for a whole new perspective because you've used words to take something from the inside or inside world, our brain and mind, and bring it to our outside world Mm -hmm. for another human being and their brain and mind to interpret, but they're interpreting it through their lens, their filter. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can end up after a 60 minute meeting, not be ever on the same page. Mm -hmm. So going back to, you know, the science of neuroplasticity is the science of, if we're not as educators grounding ourselves in the science of learning and development, which, wow, is that a huge umbrella of a discipline and field? And so educators are like, oh, well, when would I have time to do all that? And this goes back to our structures. We don't have structures in place. Let's spiral back to what you said and asked at the beginning about what do I do to start a year? Well, because of our structure, being such a start and stop, we end up fooling ourselves oftentimes, tricking ourselves into believing that we are making change and meaningful change because we have, after all, started a new school year and that feels like change. And it is, it's a version of change for sure. But just buying, you know, a new book, children's book, or creating a new lesson or having a new idea it can satisfy and make us believe that we are engaged in change because we are at all times because of neuroplasticity. But at a systems level and collectively speaking in our um, field, we are missing so much because we have convinced ourselves by mistake that we are making meaningful change Mm -hmm. because change is happening so much. And we can get ourselves caught in that cycle, which we are, mm-hmm. and not because we want to be, um, but because that is how the system we've been conditioned to be. And so the unlearning comes in when you start zooming out another, you know, reference to that and seeing, hmm, how is this structured? Why is this structured this way? Mm-hmm. And then that gets us back to 100 plus years ago. And we're scaling public education 
and we're designing the original design is based on templates, design templates mm-hmm. that are grounded in not neuroplasticity because neuroplasticity um, because of technology, we didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. So stuff was made up about the brain and it was that it was fixed, right? Like a container back to the business object oriented military language of machines think industrial era again right and so oh the brain is fixed it's a container you fill that up you fill up that brain you fill that brain up with the first grade content and then move on down move on Mm -hmm. up we want to say it second grade content etc so that's our original design templates we then also said oh well because it's an object meaning a container we can measure what's in it. We can measure the intelligence and the skills and ability that are in that container. So again, you know, picture a a cup, a measuring cup, and think, oh yeah, that's right. We can measure using a measuring cup. Mm-hmm. So then we put in place IQ tests, mm-hmm. right? That was which is grounded in eugenics. Um, this ideology is, is coming from eugenics, right? And IQ testing, standardization, that's all built in. Those are our original design templates, but those do not match nor align to a human being and the true essence and truth about a human being. Thanks to technology, we do have a deeper understanding of the science of learning and development. But if we're not matching and aligning how we design learning and teaching and leading spaces and places and approaches, et cetera, then we have a mismatch. And it is that, I always mess this saying up, the square peg in the round hole. Yes, yeah. <laughs> round peg in the square hole. No, square the whole square. And so that mismatch mm-hmm. for adults and for children are creating the angst and the tension and the stress and the anxiety and the pressure that is the way we are doing things. Stuff. Mm. So if we're not understanding and identifying that then we are still on the repeat mm-hmm. and we are then getting tricked right at the start of a school year we're getting tricked in nope we are making changes because we just adopted this new policy around ai and how learners can or cannot use ai right that feels like change and it is but it's a type of change that isn't getting deep into the soil. It is surface. Hmm. It is a, um, a next thing, but it's not a deep thing. Uh There's a difference, right? Like, Oh, the next iteration of um, teaching reading, the uh, shift right now that's happening between, Oh, we were, teaching reading in such a way we now have the science of reading i'm a big both and everything's paradox so 
it's both and. So when we do this in education, sort of trading out, you know, mm-hmm. it's like both and, both and. Try to hold that constantly, both and. And when we do the next iteration, that again reinforces, oh, we're making changes. We are engaged in meaningful change, right? Kendra, we're engaged in meaningful change. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the deep dive, the vertical versus the horizontal that we haven't gotten deep into the soil to see all the toxicity in the soil. So we keep planting flowers. Growth mindset would be one, right? Mm -hmm. We planted growth mindset in a fixed brain, fixed intelligence, fixed mindset system. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, a year later, two years, this isn't working like we thought it was going to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, or articles, well, growth mind, it's the growth mindset. It's the flower. Mm-hmm. That is the the problem, right? It's not, it's been debunked, you know? Right. Is no, actually the fixed brain, which is false about humans and the fixed intelligence IQ tests, meaning you can measure is false. Mm-hmm. It's a misuse of science. Um, Alfred Binet himself uh, made so many statements related when he found out that his original test that he designed for a different purpose was being used in that way and is used, which is and now been named as an educational trauma. So when we're paying attention and focused on trauma-informed practices in our schools, we need to also learn about educational trauma, which has been um, and is an emerging field of research, naming all the ways that institutions of education, schools are doing harm to the children and the adults in the system. Can I remember you mentioning when we previously chatted? There are seven main traumas. Mm. Is that yeah? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's more, but yeah, good memory. Um, way to pull that one up. I know. Well, I I've been interested, and I actually when we stopped talking, I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find it. Everything when I when I Google educational trauma, everything's about the student. And you and I are talking about all the humans, right? Human-centered coaching, human-centered leadership. Do you remember what those traumas are? Yes. Yeah, so the your so the wounds of school that is a title of a book by Kirsten, Dr. Kirsten Olson. Okay. So okay. In two thousand nine. Okay, wounds so of she, school. Yeah, she's credited with um, naming the reality that. Our schools, by design, not because us educators are wanting to. I want to reiterate that because all of a sudden, someone listening could be like, oh, my God, we're getting now blamed for, you know. Yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) I designed, yeah. The structure, right? So as we're we're being hurt by them, too, you know, um, when teachers are evaluated on standardized tests and then judge that they are either a good teacher or a bad teacher, that good, bad needs to just go. Um, 
but the wounds of school. So she identifies, yes, seven. And then from there, Dr. Leanne Gray, she um, is the one who published in 2019 a, um, and essentially, you know, a guide, a, a summary of research and establishing this emerging field, basically, like think, you know, you go from like a framework and then a field um, gathers research and practice and policy and, you know, and so her book, Educational Trauma, is really kind of the the next um, phase of growing this field and understanding of educational trauma. So one would be standardized tests. Mm-hmm. Another is um, using play as mm-hmm. a punishment. So taking away play. Play. That's, mm-hmm. that's a big one that I try to emphasize yeah. as much as possible, especially in the context of social, emotional, and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the leading researchers in play, there's a famous quote, you know, play is not the opposite of work. It's depression. Mm. So when a young person is at school and play is used as a punishment, you did not finish your work. You did mm-hmm. not turn in your homework. Homework, by the way, is another one identified, educational trauma. Mm-hmm. Then you cannot go to recess. You need to stay in from recess. Mm-hmm. We have to own that in that moment, we are essentially taking away food, water. That's how much play is Mm. a part of us humans, like that natural Mm. part. And amount of research, Becca, on I'm doing, you know, writing, as you know, this book, and I'm struggling with, there's so much research from every perspective on play and how important it is from every perspective you can think of how do i put that in a, you know how do i, I was a thinking of like <laughs> like well a citation my citation list alone like <laughs> how many pages is that like can you have like thousands of citations in one paragraph related to you know when you say the benefits of play like where does it end it is the thread of all these years, all my study, all my research, all my practice, I'm a practitioner researcher. And it is the thread that has been the theme in every freaking thing. Like, mm-hmm. and um, Dr. Stuart Brown, even how he came about even studying and researching play, once you know that, oh my gosh, he was as an early grad student um, charged with being a part of studying why um a school shooting at the time i think it was like late 60s don't quote me on my my dates um and through his research he then started connecting to what is the common thread for human beings that murder another human being and he was not setting out to study play but what he found through that work, through his research, interviewing, think, you know, family members, 
humans that knew and grew up right with the human being that obviously um, ended up acting in a way that was um, so detrimental, right, to another human being ended someone's life. He found that they did not and were not able to play. Wow. And they're so powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you know that, and he then, because of that connection, that discovery, if you will, he then went into play and he's been, you know, he founded the National Institute for Play. I mean, he's one of the lead researchers, mm-hmm. like Dr. Stuart Brown. He had not set out to study play. Mm-hmm. But he got in deep in the soil, mm-hmm. right? And unearthed something and um, has been sharing and promoting it since. So, and taking away play is named an educational trauma, mm-hmm. meaning we are causing trauma mm-hmm. to a human being. And this is all ages. This is us adults too for play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. some point, sadly, right, Becca, I mean, we, we made play as an adult. Like, if you grow up, play is, you know, a luxury, frivolous, you know, this is serious. We're doing serious work over here. You know, there's no time for play. You know, that kind of thing. Right, right, and, right. You know, thanks to neuroscience and technology coming together, we know the the brain loves to play. That is how learning happens and learning within from a neurological perspective is at the synapse level, right? Like two neurons are coming together and the little space in between the synapse, those the little chemical messaging that's happening between that space mm-hmm. that is where learning is happening. Once those connections come together, interesting enough, neurons are especially designed to communicate and connect which then I go, well, of course they are because us humans are designed to communicate and connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right? When I say yeah. human-centered, learning, teaching, leading, like it's matching that understanding like, oh, so basically the community of neurons in my brain. And if they don't, Becca, communicate and connect to another neuron, guess what happens to them? They die. They die. Mm, that's so powerful when humans when neurons don't connect to each other they die when humans don't connect to each other yeah there's they're suffering yes struggle yeah wow so um gosh the time has flown um i i i want to ask you one more question i'm really interested to hear this because you work with so many different kinds of people around mindsets what are some very common myths you find that like myths you bust <laughs> around mindsets when you start working with people, they're a new crowd, you know, the typical questions, the typical assumptions around mindset that you are, you, you expect are going to come up. What, what are those common misconceptions? Um, well, like we referenced earlier, number one, I found that it is very, very, very rare that 
um, neuroplasticity is even connected mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like if you say, you know, tell me growth mindset, what does that mean to you? I have very rarely, and this is years and years of, of studying and gathering up the, the information, right? In my own practice, in my own work, and then from a research perspective too. Um, neuroplasticity is never mentioned. Malleable intelligence, very rarely mentioned. Usually what's mentioned, which are the myths and the misconceptions, are some behaviors that are an outcome of this belief. Um, so growth mindset's a belief. And sometimes I'm, I was like, Carol, Dr. Dweck, you said belief and beliefs are up for debate. And I think the science part got missed, even mm-hmm. in that word belief. Mm-hmm. Right? Back to word choice. Yeah. Even when we say, Becca, we say, I have a growth mindset. Right. We, have beliefs. we hold a belief and then we mm-hmm. exercise their belief. I can hold a belief about unicorns. You all will not know that I do until I act on it in the outside world. You would have to maybe come to my house to see the unicorn poster. I don't have a unicorn poster, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you would have to see, right? We like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be the number one, you know, clearing up. And also from there going into, okay, let's think about the words now that you just used to define it. You said mm-hmm. effort. You said hard work. You said persistence. You said resilience. You said positive thinking. You said um, mistakes, you know, um, failures. And all of that are what Dr. Dweck and many researchers and team members, including you and I, you know, when through Mindset Works, were developing, oh, well, what do you actually do? What is the action, the behavior, the interaction that you're engaged in when you believe and understand neuroplasticity and then apply it to intelligence, ability, skills, talent, personality, et cetera. And I often start more often, pretty much every single time I do some, if I teach a class, a workshop, virtual, whatever it may be, I always start with what I call a human-centered reminder, M-I-N-D, and I uppercase it, to say to everybody, hey, we're here for an hour, but because our minds mind wander and mind travel for almost half our time, that means that you're only going to be hearing me and processing 30 minutes of what I say or what someone else is saying. And the 30 minutes is going to be different if there's 20 people in that workshop, Becca, Hmm. and it's an hour, bring it on down to 30. And then that 30 minutes is going to be different for every person. There's 20 different versions of that 30 minutes because we're all mind wandering Mm -hmm. and traveling. Becca, you've been growing your neural pathway for listening. You did not just hear everything I said. It's right. impossible. Like you were thinking, okay, I need to get time. What time is it? Maybe you're thinking about this, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're thinking about earlier today. It's not because you didn't want to be listening. That's how our mind works. That's human centered. Like understanding, oh, my mind is working like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
back to the mess, that means that at any point everyone got introduced to growth mindset, if you got introduced to growth mindset in an hour-long workshop, it's a good chance that you never even heard neuroplasticity. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And that speaks to our back to our start and stop. When we approach learning, unlearning and relearning as an event and not a process, we repeat the one and dones. Mm-hmm. And if we're not spiraling back around to go deeper, because we understand more about humans, mm-hmm. the internal processes, right? Then we are we're missing a lot, which causes mm-hmm. frustration because then we're we're going, well, yeah, but what we keep trying to do is not producing the result, the outcome that we've been wanting. Well, gosh, let's go get another program, another flower from Home Depot (laughs) to plant in the soil. But it has no nutrients in it. (laughs) Correct. Can we meet together today after school? Because I haven't, may we get some funding? May we get a grant? And then we'll take the pictures of our bloomed garden mm-hmm. to our funder. See, mm-hmm. we did some stuff with your money. Mm-hmm. And we, in education, we have to do the harder work. Yeah. Our hands dirty in the soil, mm-hmm. which we struggle to do. Because yeah. if you don't see it, then that means you don't have to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And once you pull up that weed and you go, oh, whoa, my God. What is this? I knew this. I knew this. Because here's the thing. All of us have gone, majority of us, right? Especially in the United States, have gone through the K-12 system. We all have our own educational traumas from going through the system. You cannot not have them. Why can you not not have them? Because you're a human being and the system was never designed for you as a human being. So at some point along the way, if not often, you were going, hey, this is apt up. I don't feel good here. Either you felt Mm -hmm. judged, compared, shamed, shamed, hey, forced to comply with the Mm -hmm. rule, control, command, comply techniques over and over and over again. And you didn't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have developed some numbing techniques, which we all do. Mm-hmm. So some may say, "Oh, it's fine, fine," mm-hmm. is the key word there. Speaking of mm-hmm. word, yeah. Once you say, "Oh, it was fine," I survived it. You and I mm-hmm. and all of us have a lot of deep work to do. Exactly. No, that's so true. Oh yeah. my gosh! All right, we 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 need to wrap up. Uh, so it's like so deep. There's so many things I want to go deep with you and. And and I I, I want to tie this up with a, a a little bit of a bow here. So I'd love you to share with the listeners, with the coaches and leaders listening today. What is one thing they could do with themselves? What is one practice that they could do to build their own practice of g- growing? Their growth mindset, being aware of mindsets in general. What would you suggest? Well, you know what? You just did it for me because you said build. It's the language, grow, right? Mm-hmm. It's 
paying attention to the language that you're actually using to describe mm-hmm. natural yeah. Yeah. processes. Yeah, I still make this. <laughs> no, and it's and then and the brain likes the 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 tension, right? Because the brain does grow when there's that, you know, cognitive struggle, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that then increases your awareness. And the next thing you know, from there, you start looking through a different pair of glasses and you're then identifying a lot of things that are sprouting up from the original design. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Another thing really quick is educators when you're heading to work call it work don't say school because Mm. then we as the adults get treated and viewed by society as going to school versus workplace culture not school culture that's our lens is for kids it's always for kids right there's workplace culture organizational culture Mm. We need to talk like that. We need to say, mm-hmm. I have a workplace. It's not school. It's a workplace. Mm. That then will shift society in a way because a parent, a family, when they're dropping their child off at school, will think, oh, yeah, I'm dropping my child off at another adult's workplace. <laughs> and that changes everything mm-hmm. and does serve as a potential tipping point for society to be looking at educators and school and workplaces in a different way. Mm-hmm. This is really powerful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all the things. I love how you question everything, everything, uh, and it, every, everything and it, it, uh, it's certainly, uh, just, adds to my ability to think about things differently as well. It gives me distinction where I previously didn't have distinction. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And um, if folks wanted to know more about your work, uh, what you're doing with mindsets and SEL, where can they find you? I am definitely on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. you know, Instagram, definitely message me there. Um, Also, you know, the high desert education service district is where, you know, my day job is here in central Oregon. So I have different emails, but yeah, please do reach out. Um, always love to connect and learn from others. And Hey, if you do feel like, uh, yeah, mindset, I am happy to break it down and I am happy to hear your perspective and see, okay, what could be missing and what am I missing that you're maybe understanding or have um, perhaps learned at some point. I love this. Thank you. Thank you so much for- Thank you, Becca. Appreciate it.